really imagine it, can't we? Well, let's pray. And we're going to go to Revelations chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Father, how we thank you and praise you, O God, that we as your people, O God, can come into your house and worship you and praise your holy name. And how we can be revived, O God, by spending a little time with you. And Lord, the songwriter was right when he said, a little time with Jesus will make it right. And Lord, we thank you that we have the ability to spend that time with you and to spend all day with you and that we can truly confess and say, all day long I've been with Jesus. That Lord, that that would be our prayer, that that would be a reality in our life. That Lord, that we are with you all day long in thought and recognizing your presence. For when we recognize that your presence is there, is heaven unto us, O oh God. And Lord, it ministers to our heart. It encourages us, O oh Lord. For we recognize we're away from home, but not far from home. And that, Lord, when we're in your presence, what a joy we have. Help us, O oh God, to rejoice over and over and over again. Because of who we are in Christ Jesus. That we truly are the saints of God. We are a peculiar treasure of God. We are those individuals who are called the saints of God. And Lord, we have that title as the priest of God. And Lord, the greatest title that all of us wear, O Lord, is that we are your servants, O God. We are your servants. And we pray, Father, that you would be pleased with us. In the things that we do, O God, in worshiping you, and honoring you, and obeying you, that, Lord, all of our life would be pleasing unto you as you look upon us, O God. Because, Lord, being your people, we're never out of your sight. And we pray, Father, that you will continue to equip us, O Lord, to live in the day in which we are living. For the days are perilous days. The days are troubling days. But you have asked who will be faithful. And that when you come, will you find any who are faithful unto you. Lord, help us to work knowing that it is yet day and night is coming. And that, Lord, we have made it up in our minds that we're going to be faithful unto you. We're going to endure to the end. We're going to press on no matter what takes place. That we're going to be the people of God. We're going to serve you, Lord, with our dying breath. We're going to serve you. We're going to worship you. We're going to glorify you. And, Father... We pray that you will use us as your witnesses. As it was prayed this morning, as the elders prayed, that, Lord, we live in a community, O oh Lord, where death somehow, Lord, just runs rapid. We live in a community where there's generations who have not ever stepped into a church. We live in a community, O oh God, and every community needs you. But, Lord, we recognize that, Lord, where we live, Lord, is not more desperate than somewhere else. But to us, O oh God, we desperately need you in this place. And, Father, we pray that you would send a revival as it was prayed. That you would send a revival here to West Akron. That you would renew the hearts of the people. You will take away the stony heart and put a heart of flesh in that you might touch. And Lord, that we might see yet your seed taking hold into the lives of many people who live in this community. Let us not be ashamed of your name, O God, but may we proclaim it knowing that it is the power of salvation. It is the power of salvation. And that there's no other name that is given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. May we, O oh God, share that name 
that is above every name. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're back in Revelations. And we're going to be going to Revelation 6. And and uh, I can get this computer on now. Had it on earlier. Come on, wake up, do something. It's not moving. Come on. Don't want to turn you off. Here comes something up. Um, we're going to look at just a couple of verses to help us find out where we want to go to in this area. Oh, better put it in there. See, y'all need that young pastor more often. Uh, this old pastor getting more and more forgetful about everything. Um, we're going to look at a couple other verses that I put it back in here. Hope I did. Yeah. To help us see Revelation 6, verses 7 and 8, in a different light. And uh, we want to look at these verses for that purpose, to, before we go to Revelations. Because in Revelations 7 and 8, is going to talk about the issue of Get out of here now. Talk about something oftentimes we don't like to talk about. And uh, that is death. And it's going to allow us to know that death comes in many different ways, but it's going to also come in ways that you and I have not thought about. And we're going to come to that place to look at it, that death and Haiti, Haiti meaning the grave, but death and Haiti kind of like travels together. Death can be upon a person before they go to the grave. And what we're going to try to understand is that from the first three horsemen, it may be climaxing in this fourth horse of all the deaths that are going to take place. And that after the fourth horse, we don't hear anything else about horses now. And what we're going to try to do is really understand it just a little bit better in that area about what the Lord is sharing with us. Go to Jeremiah 14.14 with me for a moment. Jeremiah 14.14, just to try to help get a little picture of Revelation 6. And... To understand that death is coming all through it, but how many of you are fearful of death? Death is something, yes, we're all going to experience. And I'm not going to try to stand here and say, I'm not scared of it. But death is something that we should not dread. It is coming. And it comes in all different types of forms, all different types of ways. It's coming. And you and I have to, in some ways, understand we serve a God that is greater than death. So when you go to Jeremiah 14, pick up with me in verse 14. He says, Then the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. 
I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatry, and the delusions of their own mind. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the prophets who are prophesying in my name. I did not send them, yet they are saying, No sword, no famine will touch this land. Those who, those same prophets will perish by the sword and famine. And my people, they are prophesying to will be thrown out into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. There will be no one to buy, to no one to bury them, or their wives, their sons, or their daughters. I will pour out on them the calamity they deserve. Hold on to the thought there will be no one to bury them as we go through Revelations chapter 6. No one to bury them. Go with me to Hosea chapter 13. Hosea 13. The, and look, start with me in verse 12. <clears throat> The guilt of Ephraim is stored up. His sins are kept where at? Hosea 13, verse 12. God says, I keep a record of them. The guilt of Ephraim is stored up. The sins are kept on record. Pains as of a woman in childbirth come to him. But he is a child without wisdom when the time arrives. He does not come to the opening of the womb. A child's in the womb, but don't find the birth canal. Or is turned the wrong way. People are turned the wrong way as the approaching of the Lord is coming. They're turned the wrong way. And they don't know the right way to turn to find life. They don't know the right way to turn to be able to live. And he says as that child, he doesn't know when he's entering into that birth canal. He is lost. She's lost. He's lost. They don't know what to do at that point. God is so close of coming back and we don't know what to do. People are turned the wrong way. People are looking for all the wrong things. But the Lord, we're turned the wrong way. And he allows us to go on just a little bit further in that whole process where he allows us to understand. Yes, the pains of a woman in childbirth comes to him. But as but he is a child without wisdom when the time arrives. He does not come to the opening of the womb. I will ransom them. Now catch this. Because it's important to hold on to this verse 14. What God says here. I will ransom them from the power of what? Of the grave. I will redeem them. From what? From death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? I will have no compassion. Now, hear what God says. On one hand, he's saying, I'm going to redeem from the grave. I'm going to redeem from death. And then he says, I will have no compassion. I want you to see in Revelation 7 and 6, no compassion because God, because of our sins and our iniquities, he has stored up his wrath, his vengeance. 
that is going to come against man. And yet, I want you to see his compassion on those who he will be compassionate on, but yet, those who will not receive compassion. That's important for us to see today. Philippians, Philip's translation calls the horse that is called a pale horse in Revelation calls it strictly a green horse. Well, we don't see a green horse nowhere really. We see reddish horses, we see black horses, we see white horse, we see the pale horse, panamino type horses, pale horse. We don't see a green horse. But here he uses the word green. I picked that up and I looked and said, boy, green. Pastor Baxter uses the color green and he brings it over into the Muslims' flags and most Muslims' flags are green. Just stay stay with me. And much of the wars today are going on because of Islam and Christianity. We don't like to say it that way, but that's the bottom line of it. And death is taking its toll. It also uses the word grave in the place of Hades in the Phillips translation. In Hosea, he says, he'll have no compassion. Now go to Deuteronomy 32 with me. I want you to hear something that is going to be very evident of God in Revelation 6. Because God is dealing with a people who are saying, He don't exist. He don't exist. He's dealing with a people who are going to worship a beast. He's dealing with a people who will worship an image. He's dealing with people who will not recognize Him. In verse 34, he starts, he simply says, uh-oh, let me get there. Have I not kept this in reserve and sealed it in my vaults? It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is what? Is near. Is not there yet, but is what? Is near. The world, the day of the world's disaster is near. It's not here yet, but it's near. And their doom rushes upon them. The Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his what? Servants. When he sees their strength is gone and no one is left, slave or free, he will say, now where are their, what? Gods. Where are those idols you worship? Where's the beast? Where's this? Where's that? Where's the false prophet? The rock they took refuge in. The God... The gods who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drunk the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up to help to help you. Let them give you shelter. See? Now hold on to this verse in mind when we go in the Revelation. See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides who? Besides me. I put death and I bring to life. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. And no one can deliver out of my hands. And he declares, he 
is God. And he is the one who puts to death. And he is the one who gives life. And we need to recognize that. So let's go to Revelation 6, 7, 8, holding those thoughts in mind. Because God wants to reveal himself. Again, I want to say to you, the book of Revelation is not a book of doom, doom, doom. It's a book of revival. It's a book of salvation. It's a book of showing forth the glory of our God. A lot of people don't like Revelation because all they think it is is doom, doom, doom. No, it's the glory, it's the glory, it's the glory of God. And how God is even going to keep his people, the Christians in that era, how he's going to keep them. He says in that verse 7, he says, When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, I looked, and there behold, there before me was a pale horse. His rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over the fourth of the earth to kill, the, to kill by the sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. The pale horse, his rider, is death. In the Greek, it is above, not upon. It brings that rider, is not so much a person, but here it is, this thing called death and Hades, where the others were described as a person, more or less. Here it is not so much a person, but it is a thing, and it is death. That death is coming. It's coming in a way that we have never expected. It's coming in a wave that we have never could have foreseen. That death is coming in a manner. And it's coming quickly. And it's going to take its toll. And it is surprising what winds up taking place. But he says the fourth seal talks about massive death. Massive death. When he talks about one-fourth of the world, in 2009, the population was 6,783,421,727 people, according to the United States Census, 2009. And he's talking about killing one-fourth of the world. One-fourth of the world in order to give us a picture of it, would be to eliminate the United States and China. To eliminate United States and China would be one-fourth of the world. Can you imagine that many people dying in a mass? Damn. Go to Matthew twenty-four, twenty-two with me. Because what we have to understand is that even in this terrible type of situation or thing that might happen, God is still in control. And and, and we have to know that. That the God that we serve, he's the one still in control. He says in Matthew 24, 22, if those days had not been cut short, and then you have to ask yourself, who cut those days short? God does. Why? No one would survive. No one would survive. So God is still in control. Though God is allowing this to happen, and these first seven plagues again, they are basically done by man. Man hating man. Man killing man. And when you look at those first three horses, it's man out to conquer. Is man who sets forth to kill. Is man who sets the food so high or cost so high that people are starving because of famine and so forth. Because they cannot receive a day's ration. But still, salvation is there. And God is doing all of this to bring man to a realization 
that he's there. That he's there. Yes, this is the acceptable day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know the Lord, I can't urge you enough. Make sure before you leave today, you know the Lord. You can do that even at this very moment in your seat. All you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I repent of my sin. Save me. And if you're willing to just say those words, he'll do it right now. There's no big thing you got to come up front and no big thing you got to jump up and down. No big thing. There got to be an earthquake. All you have to do is believe it. And he'll save you right now. Instantly. Go to Isaiah 49.8. Isaiah 49.8. He allows us to know that his desire is that none should perish. Even in these days in which we are reading about there in Revelation. God is still compassionate. He still desires to see people saved. In 49 and verse 8, he simply says, let me get these eyes focused again. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritance. But he says, I will hear you, I will save you. Even in these worst of times, God will do it. If he can restore a Israel, and if he can keep a Israel, and save a Israel down through the ages, and there's, if you check populations and different groups of people, they are no more. But God preserved Israel and kept it. And if he can do that for Israel, he can do that for you. He can do it for you. Now, death, the first seal is conquest. When you look at that first seal that takes place, that first, it's conquest. What is that? War. Killing. The second one comes to, and it takes place. And it's men slaying each other. Men killing each other. Do we see that today? Men are killing each other in record numbers today. And thirdly, the famine that we talked about two weeks ago. That that whole process that in famine people will die because they cannot eat. We're going to see some of the reasons why they can't eat. We're going to see some of the reasons why death comes around. So that fourth seal says simply death. Is this all three seals, as though all three seals somewhat climax here. And there's different kinds of death. When you begin to study that word death there, it means many, many various ways to die. Ways that we have not yet heard of. Give you a, an example. When people start dying of AIDS, we never heard of them dying in that manner. It was a new disease that took place. And yet, many people around the world died of AIDS. Many people are still dying of AIDS. And there's going to be new diseases that are going to come forth. And many people will die of those diseases. Again, looking at that word gangrene, is, it's the tissue. is when there's not enough blood that can get to a certain part of the tissue to give it life. That it, be turn, it begins to turn a blackish green or a greenish black. Because the circulation has been cut off. And it's because of some infection. It's because something that has taken place. But eventually it also brings about death. 
that brings about death. Some of the things I'm going to share with you today, I want you to ask this question as we go through it. Is it even happening now on a lower scale, and can you begin to see it rise? That's going to be important for you to see. Can we see it rise? Because what God is sharing with us is not just something that, boy, he's just sharing. He's saying, boy, these are things that are going to take place, but they're going to come so subtle. And that's why he keeps telling John, look, look, look. Watch. And guess what we're not doing? We're not looking nor are we watching. And yet he says we should look. We should see what's going on. For we are not a people of darkness. We are a people who walk in the light. We are not a people who don't know what's going on unless we choose to be there. We need to understand that. We, we willfully are ignorant. We choose not to recognize what's going on in the world. The tribe of Issachar, it said in that time of David and Saul, that they knew what to do and knew how to act. How many of you know what to do and really know how to act in this day in which we're living? He tells us death is taking place in a variety of ways. Now, how death may come in the text that is given to us. He says, one, by the sword. By the sword. Now understand, when John is interpreting and John is sharing this, the sword was one of the main weapons. So John is giving us an interpretation of his time. He says, by the sword. Now, begin to share with me, what are the weapons we can use today? Guns. And there's multiple type of guns. There's the gun, as my son explains to me, his gun just don't fire one bullet. But when he aims it, and he pulls that trigger before he can let go, at least three to four rounds are going to come out that barrel. Before he can let go of that trigger. He's a probationary officer in Pennsylvania and he has to carry a gun. So it's not like he's just. (laughs) But he says, Dad, the gun isn't where I pull the trigger and one round comes out. Multiple rounds come out. Before I can release it. And we're seeing all type of weaponry in guns. Small guns, big guns, guns that have all kind of large clips in them where they, people can go into schools or into buildings and kill up a number of people before they're stopped. We're fearful of a nuclear bomb going off. We're fearful even of a nuclear plant that generates electricity. Something going wrong there like it did in Japan. And yet, Japan don't know the number of people that are going to die from that because the reports are just starting to come in from the cancer and the different radiation that people experienced at that time that is beginning to come forth now. Another way of death. But yet we know if we drop a bomb, how many people might die? And then you just talk about knives. Because here in Akron, how many people we've had stabbed to death? And the whole process, weapons. That is one way in which people are going to experience death. Through weapons. Many different type of weapons. Many different ways in which people are going to suffer and die. Then he brings out the thing of famine, as we spoke about laughing. When war takes place, and man is killing man, who has time to plant? Where's the farmer at? 
And one of the first things, if you study warfare, one of the first things that any country tries to deny another country or a group of people, and that is the ability to feed themselves. So there's going to be a shortage of food. Because while others are out trying to conquer, and why man is killing man, and all this is taking place, nobody has time to go out and plant corn, plant the wheat, grow and harvest. Because we're so busy killing each other. Destroying. And he says, people are going to die for lack of food, famine. And we're seeing some of that worldwide now. Where most places where you see famine taking place is because the country is torn in war. In war. Just read the paper, watch the news. Where there is a war going on, you also usually will have famine and people are dying for lack of food. Because the first part of food is going to be taken and given to who? Those who are fighting. My soldiers, my army. is first going to be taken care of. And then he comes from that area of famine... And he just brings us to a point of death. And I really, really he mentions death again in a sense, or death is that there's going to be natural death. We're going to see more heart attacks. We're going to see more strokes. We're going to see more just natural death. In one way, we think we're living longer. And we are by statistics. But look how many people are also dying. My dad used to say, they always give you the number of people that go on Social Security. They never give you the number of people (laughs) that came off Social Security. And it's that area of just natural death. And natural death is going to take place by infections that we've never, never experienced before. Not too long ago, either Dateline or 60 Minutes, did a report of how the rats and the raccoons are taking over New York. They showed some of the five-star restaurants, how they're clean during the day, but once all the lights go out, all the rats that come out (laughs) in those restaurants just amazing and rats are one of the ones that carry a bacteria and that bacteria last year in the United States bluebonic type of a plague took place in over 8,000 cases in the United States I suppose that was just run rapid. Now understand, it comes from what is called the rat, who the fleas get on, and the fleas then transfer it from the rat to the human. And now we have infections, we have diseases that we haven't seen or heard, and death takes place. As never before. And then he says, that whole process of new diseases that will invade the body because man and his war and his disobedience and his sin, God says, is just naturally taking place in a sense. And when you check these seven seals, they're man. Who's conquering. It is man who's killing man. It's man who's causing the famine to take place. It's man who's causing the diseases to take place. It's man. Now, 
boy, the next one is the animals. Let me see if I can get there. Death by wild beasts. Go back to that verse 8. He says, I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. His rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famines, plague, and by wild beasts. Stay with me for a moment. Because I had the Lord, wild beasts. An animal's food line is something that's very important. Same as humans. But animals will follow their food line. If bobcats eat small deer and the deer come into the city, where's the bobcat going? The bear, it follows this what? Food line. We keep developing new developments, new housing, taking wildlife. Where's wildlife going to wind up at? In populated areas. So every now and then we catch a news thing that says, Here's a bear someplace where it shouldn't be, and it probably like the bear's law. No, the bear said, I was here before you were. <laughs> yeah. But the bear is also hungry. How many know that I can't call the name of the ant, but it's a, a warrior type ant, red ant. But it, what, what's the name? Fire ant. It can devour a human being's body in less than a minute. Talks about the beast. The wild beast. Now, if man is starving, what's happening with the beast? They're starving. And one thing about a bear or a wolf pack or a dog pack, it's not picky about what it eats. <laughs> hey, you look good. Hey, because it wants to eat. Hey, like I said, death is going to come in so many different ways. And, and God is revealing. And you're seeing something happen in your own community. My dad and I went out. We were eating breakfast and a deer ran right across the front window. You know. And we're seeing more deer over the other area in the park. We're also beginning to hear more coyotes and wolves being in populated areas. We're hearing more about bears being in populated areas. We're beginning to hear that, but... Is it going to increase and then how much? And if it does increase, how many of you, because when they said there was a bear loose here in this area for a little bit, I was a little cautious about going outside. You hate to walk down the street and out behind somebody's house. It's not a dog. It's not a cat, it's not a raccoon, it's a bear. And he says the wild animals will cause death to us. And he gives us four examples that can multiply and have high numbers of death. The weapons... Famine, natural death through diseases and infections. And then he comes back and says the animal also. Now for the Christian, and I believe the Christian in that time 
will also face some of these things that will go on. And they will also die. They will die of famine. They will die of war. They will die of people shooting and just killing one another. They will die. But here's the glorious part. I believe God is able to rescue them from the grave. Stay with me. God has always used these elements. Go to Ezekiel 14.21. Ezekiel 14.21. And um, what we want to see is that it's not, it's not something new to God. But God has used these elements before. And what got me to thinking a little bit also was that here is a, a time God gave authority over man. Man authority over the earth. And even the beast of the earth. But you know something? God never gave man authority over the wind, the sun, the moon, the stars, over nature, as we would call it. Never gave man authority over that. 1421. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. How much worse will it be when I sin against Jerusalem? My four dreadful judgments... Sword, famine, wild beasts, plagues. See them in Revelation? He says, when I send them, God's in control. God's in control. And somebody may say, well, why would God send that? Why would God do that? Because God's going to show you who really is in control. God's going to show you I am the only God who takes life but also gives life. I am the God of death. I am the God of life. He's going to reveal it. He's going to show it. And then in Leviticus... Go to Leviticus with me. Leviticus 36. I'm sorry, 26. 23 through 24. He says, If in spite of these things you do not accept my Correction. So what is one of the reasons for these plagues? What's one of the reasons of these seals and the trumpets? Is that God will correct. That God will correct. It's so hard today to correct people. People have their own thinking, their own thing that they want to do. And the thing is, it's difficult to correct. And you can use scripture They're not going to accept that. And God says, I'm going to correct because I'm going to bring something so terrible upon you that I'll grab your attention. I'll grab your attention. And then we'll be able to talk. We'll be able to talk. And, And he says, boy, that whole process, he says, If in spite of these things you do not accept my correction, but continue to be hostile towards me, I myself will be hostile towards you and will afflict you for your sins. Now, 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 boy, I I had to underline this. Boy, because it caught me by surprise and... And then trying to put the two together here, he says, afflict you, afflict your sins seven times over. I'm going to send you seven seals. I'm going to send you seven trumpets. I'm going to send seven bowls of my wrath. Seven times over. 
And he says, I'm going to send it seven times over. And I will bring the sword upon you to avenge the breaking of the covenant. When you withdraw into the cities, I will send a plague. So God says, even if you try to run from it, you're not going to get away from my judgment because of sin. He says, I will send a plague among you and you will be given into the enemy's hands. When I cut off your supply of bread, there's the famine. Ten women will be able to bake your bread in one oven. And they will dole out the bread by weight. Remember the balances we talked about weeks ago? You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. You're not getting enough. You're not getting enough. In spite of this, you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile towards me. Then in my anger, I will be hostile towards you, and I myself will punish you for your sin seven times over. Seven times over. Haiti follows death, the scripture tells us. And here I do not believe that Haiti is basically referring to hell as it is the grave. And the first spot that we go to with that death is to the grave. Or back to which we've come. But here's where those who are Christians in this time can rejoice. And we can rejoice. Because, see, people are still going to be saved during this time of tribulation. People are still going to be saved. And I believe that the same Holy Spirit is going to be there because you are not of Him if you have not His Spirit. But the Spirit's being removed from holding back the whelms of the enemy. The Spirit is being removed from holding back the wells of men and how men think and what men will do to each other. That the Spirit of God is withdrawn and man will be able to see his own sinfulness to his own depravity and how low man can go. We think man has sunk to his lowest because he cuts off a head. Man is going to be far worse than that. We cannot even begin to imagine how sinful we are that the Holy Spirit didn't give a consciousness about sin, even to the sinner. We are wicked, we are sinful. And sometimes when you read or you hear on the news of somebody, you say, ha, hovel. Remember, that could also be you. But what God allows us to see is how terrible and how sinful man can be. And how we can truly treat one another and hurt one another. And not care for one another. Or love one another. Or be sensitive towards one another. He says, death and the grave travels together. It's not a place of torment. Nowhere in the text can get Haiti to be a place of torment at this point. It's a place where Haiti is the grave. Not a place of punishment. The body goes to the grave, yes. But 2 Corinthians says, boy, absent from the body in a sense, present with who? Present with the Lord. I believe those Christians will have that same promise that we have today. That absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Turn with me to Philippians. Chapter 1, 21 through 23. Philippians chapter 1. 21 and 23. Listen to what Paul is saying. Now I hope this is somewhat our cry. 
Because if this is our cry and this is our desire, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. God knows my heart. He knows me in. He knows what my desire is. He knows it. And Paul simply says, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Are you living right now for Christ? Can you really say, I'm living for Christ? And for me to die, boy, I profit. It's to my gain. Boy, it's wonderful for me to die, to be absent from this place and present with the Lord. Boy, that's wonderful. And he goes on, he says, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose to do? I do not know. I am torn between two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Look at the confidence there. I desire to depart and be with who? Be with Christ. That's confidence. I know where I'm going. I know who I'm going to be with. Do you know that? And I believe the same Holy Spirit and the same Word of God is going to be alive during the tribulation period. That's the same thing we claim they can claim. To be absent from this body is to be present also with the Lord. And he says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is Better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Do you realize for some Christians it's going to be more necessary for them to be where? In the body that the witness of God might continue to go forth. That the witness of Christ might continue to go forth. Go to Psalms real quick, 49.15. Two more verses and we're done. We'll have to worry about Job. You can go there on your own later on. But go to Psalms 49 and verse 15. Look what the psalmist says. He says, But God will redeem my life from where? The grave. Remember what Job said? I'm going to see him with my own eyes. Even though the body goes to the grave and eaten up by worms, yet I will see God in my flesh. I'm going to see him with my own eyes. Hey? And, and he just simply, he says, boy, but God will redeem my life from the grave. God is going to redeem those who are believers as they die during this period. And death will take place to the unbeliever and those who also believe. But you go to the grave and God says, no, that one who believed now is absent from the body, present with the Lord. The body goes to the grave, but that other body who goes to the grave also just don't go to the grave. It goes on to hell. Show you something glorious here in, 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 in just a moment. And he says, he will surely take me to himself. God's going to do what? Take me to himself. God's going to bring me to himself. God's going to do that. Revelation 1.18 and closing. Because if you understand what's going to take place here. And you understand who holds the keys and who is the one who gives life and takes life. It causes you to rejoice. Listen to what he says in Revelation 1.18. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm what? When, when Christ died, we know he went one place, but the body went where? Into the tomb for a few days. But it tells us that he went to preach to those who were down in paradise, why the body was where? In the tomb. 
And then on the third day, he tells us the body and the spirit reunited. And he came forth from the grave. He came forth from the grave. And see, he's going to give us a new body also. And that body is going to come forth from the grave. And he gives us the evidence of that in himself. That it took place with him. But then look at this other little part of information here that he gives us. It's so vital. Hang on to this. Because, see, it removes a lot of the fear if you understand this principle right here. If you understand this truth that's being said in this second part, he says, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Now listen. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys of death and Hades. And when you look at Revelation chapter 20, you see there is a key given from heaven in which they bound Satan into the pit for a thousand years. But the angel come with those keys. Where did you get those keys from? There's one person who controls the keys. Jesus Christ. He holds the keys to death and life to death and Hades. The keys are in his hands. He holds them. And guess what else is in his hand? I am. You are. If you've accepted him as your personal savior, you are in his hands. And if you're in his hands, he have not lost any that are in his hands. We ought to rejoice because we know the one who holds the keys to death and Hades. That Satan just don't have a free run. Man just don't have a free run. But God is still in control because he holds the keys to death and life, to death and Hades. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, that you reveal your truths unto us. And, Lord, though our minds may not be able to wrap around all that was said, may we go back and and search it again, and search it again, and search it again. Understanding that, Lord, your desire is that people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That people will cease from fighting and kicking against you. And that people will come to a place to believe your word. And obey your word. Father... You're releasing the seals. You're releasing the trumpets. That men might see their sin. That men might recognize that yes, you are a just God. And that you will punish men for their iniquities and for their wrongdoing. But it is your desire that none would be lost. It is your will that men will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to recognize that, Lord, to the one who accepts Jesus, you are compassionate. But to the one who will continue to fight against you, you will not be compassionate. Help us to be able, Lord, to share this story with our loved ones, with our friends, with our neighbors. Because, Lord, none of us know the time in which these things are going to take place. 
and the different severity in which they are taking place right now. We don't know, Lord, when this is going to heighten. We don't know when this is going to expand. We don't know when more of this is going to take place. We don't know when the intensity of this thing will even get worse. But let us be a watchman on your wall, warning people of the coming devastation that they themselves would not be caught sleeping, that they themselves would not be caught in darkness, that they themselves would not be caught in ignorance and without the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.